for launch in three, two, one. Go. This is a dangerous beat that we're dealing with now. Introducing the Dog Pound Daily Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Seipt. I must be louder. And site expert Stephen Kabitza. If it's a blowout, Monday's podcast is going to be a bummer. But if they win, it's going to be a party. This DJ so funky, man. Okay, let's go. The Cleveland Browns continue to find new ways to lose. They're now 0-13 after a absolutely horrific loss to the Green Bay Packers. I'm Stephen Kabitza here with the Dog Pond Daily Podcast. Joining me as always is Andrew Seipt. And Andrew, the Browns held a 21-7 lead over the Packers entering the fourth quarter. But did you have any hope that they would close out a win? I texted you, I think even earlier in the game, that just said I don't feel comfortable you know, with them with a two score lead until there's about two minutes left in the game. Um, and then even, you know, as it got down to that point where they had a one score lead and I think sub two minutes left around three fifty four, that said, you know, the chargers are going to go down score, force this to go to overtime and then, you know, subsequently win the game. And that's, it's exactly what happened. I just, I, I had no confidence based on what I saw from Deshaun Kaiser in the second half of that football game. And what I saw on the offensive side of the ball, that they were going to be able to do anything, you know, to, to close out a game. And I believe you texted me in the third quarter once they took that lead. But yeah, I, I was in the same boat. There was never really, a, and I, I was on, I mean, we're both on Twitter following it and people are saying, oh, cancel the parade, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's like p- these people don't watch the Browns and see week to week what happens. And I am just guessing on this because obviously I just watched the game once in real time. But it seems that in the fourth quarter, you know, they played a great first three quarters, but then the play calls on both sides of the ball get really conservative or they just don't make a lot of sense. I mean, well, even to start the game, I mean, the first drive, they were he, Greg, Greg Williams is bringing the house with Kianuqua back there as a safety. I mean, know your freaking personnel. I understand you have a ton of injuries and it's really tough to overcome a lot of that because two, you know, two defensive ends or, I mean, Emmanuel Ogba, Jamie Collins, we, we all know who's Jamie out. Jamie Shelton was out. Yeah, I mean, I get that, but at some point you it wasn't Greg Williams strength supposed to be maximizing the talent that he has. And I get that it's really not much talent, but at, at the same time, stop calling all out blitzes and leaving wide receivers open downfield. Brett Hundley dropped back 46 times, had, you know, 265 yards and three touchdowns, not a single turnover forced by this Browns defense, not one. Yeah. And then at the end of the game up 14, I mean, two pretty, I mean, for the Packers, nice touchdown drives. Although, I mean, one was started on that punt return or the big punt return. But either way, it just they can they play well and they're a statistically strong defense, but they can't get stops when it counts. The offense, I mean 21 points isn't an amazing mark, but for this team on this type of day leading by 14 at the end of the third quarter, you, the defense has to find a way to pick up at least I mean, one stop. Isaiah Crowell, Isaiah Crowell rushes for 121 yards, has a really good game. I mean, the first half, Josh Gordon looked like he was going to go off for two touchdowns and like 200 yards like we saw, you know, three years ago. But here we are again watching a second half and Hugh Jackson and Greg Williams, great second half adjustments really, you know, exemplify why this team is one in 28 over their last 29 games. So I, I just, if you couldn't tell from my voice, it's it's just, it's apath- apathy at this point. At the least confusing calls for me, more on, on the offensive side at least, were... I believe it was under three minutes. It was for the Browns. If they got a first down, pretty much, 
they could run out the clock. They threw a pass to Seth DeValve, made one of the best catches he's probably ever made in his entire life, just to keep the clock running and pick up six yards. And then a pass to Njoku, which he dropped, that stopped the clock, punt to the Packers, cue a big return. It just doesn't make sense to me the way Hugh – because Hugh called – I'd say Hugh called his best game of the year, really oh, up should, until well, the end. Yeah, when he, he challenges a catch that's literally right in front of him on the sideline that – you know, it was a clear catch by Randall Cobb, lose a timeout there, yet he doesn't challenge, you know, a four-yard gain on second and 10 by, it was the same Seth DeValve right there that, you know, that that puts you in a, a, a more manageable third-down situation. Well, that was a catch. Did they rule it a catch? Yeah, that was a catch. Oh, okay. I thought, for some reason, I thought that was No, and Joku dropped the ball, which Mike McCarthy challenged, basically putting but, his game on the line. But a big yeah. beef against Hugh Jackson this game was he was ripping apart Kaiser for wasting timeouts or wasting a timeout and then he calls that challenge when it really wasn't necessary. It's the blind leading the blind. I mean, what are you going to do with a quarterback who turns, does a, a pirouette and throws you know, a jackpot ball at the end of the game on his side of the field? I understand that Hugh Jackson is to blame for a lot of this, but you know, Kaiser is certainly to blame for a lot of it as well. There's really no production in the second half. His first half, you would have thought that, you know, based on Twitter, we, would have, we found the quarterback for next year. And sure enough, you know, everyone says that this week, but I say, look at what people were saying last week when they said, you know, take Rosen number one right now. And now it's like, oh, well, maybe let's give this guy a chance. Like, no, this guy's obviously just not good. Yeah, I think it's important. My dad texted me during the game and said, Kaiser looks good. And I said, got to play four quarters and sure, or five quarters in this case. And sure enough, there's always that one or two just horrible mistakes. His first interception, I saw some people saying, I'm fine with that throw. I go, okay, well, I mean... <laughs> I'm sure they were fine with the 20 other ones, too, that he had before that. Really and that's the problem. It's giveaways. You can struggle as a rookie, but if you're throwing interceptions like that, there's just there's no excuse. Because that's just a... And, like, Dustin Fox, right after the game on 92.3, was saying, you know, on that, on that throw Kaiser had, that's something you know not to do when you're in the eighth grade. Yeah. That's, that's an in- instinct thing. And he said, and Kaiser said post-game... You know, if my arm wasn't hit on that, that's a game-winning touchdown. And I go, you could say that. I mean, you could say, oh, if the safety wasn't there, it's whatever. But it, cool. you just well, can't well, make those lost, decisions. You know? Yeah, you gave up 20 unanswered in the second half. So I, I don't want to hear it from really any standpoint as to what is uh, why things should have happened but didn't happen because you lost the game and you continue to be a winless quarterback in the NFL, mostly because of your own undoing. So. And this uh, latest loss, um, I I wrote about it in my recap uh, plug for that. I don't see – so John Dorsey, this is his first game as a Browns GM, was probably shaking his head the entire time at the end of the game. I don't see how if Hugh Jackson goes 0-16, you can keep him because he already has the worst mark for any head coach. How can you fire them? Because all they've done over the last two days is gush over, we're going to make it work. You know, we've never talked or worked together in any capacity, but because we know a bunch of the same people, you know, we'll be fine to make it work. So now are you going to come out at the end of the year and go, yeah, you know, over the last month, we've really decided to either go our separate ways or, you know, that we really couldn't get along. And if they're stuck with Hugh Jackson for another year, I hope to God that something changes, whether it's an offensive coordinator being in there or something, because I... I mean, he's lost us just as many games as Kaiser has, and he can blame it all on the lack of talent, which is an obvious problem on this roster. Not lack of talent, but just lack of depth. And again, people can 
you know, laud Sashi Brown for all the work that he did tearing down the roster. But when it comes down to it, they tore down the roster so far that there's no depth on this team or really anybody who knows how to close out any victory at all. So it's not a surprise that this team is going to go winless this year. I'd say it's also a lack of properly utilizing their talent. Like there's talent on the field, but I mean, for not just not this week, but weeks past, Duke Johnson barely gets on the field or barely gets touches. Today, he had a nice catch and a shovel pass for a touchdown. Just plays like that, you just don't see a lot from Hugh Jackson this season. You you texted me, or I mean, we've even talked about it a bunch, of saying, like, do you think Hugh Jackson was kind of not utilizing his full playbook when Sashi Brown was there to be like, hey, I don't have talent. We stink. We have to help me. And now that Sashi's gone, yeah. do you think he opened it up? Or is is it just he was just, just not it's, good in general? Well, I think it's it's got to be tough to be – in charge of the offense when you have such inconsistent quarterback play from week to week because you've got Kaiser coming out this this the first half being absolutely lights out and then you know he throws the pick before the half it kind of starts the downturn as to what ended up being another loss but you can't you can't you don't know what to expect from Kaiser week to week so it's it's got to be tough to understand what he's going to be able to execute or what might work and what may not work you know I think that's something that goes largely unnoticed because there's if you have a, even a quarterback that puts up pedestrian numbers each week or you 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 know that he's going to complete around 55-60% of his balls like you can kind of adjust your game plan based on that. You don't you have no idea what you're getting from Kaiser. He could hit a touchdown and then miss a wide open touchdown and throw an interception the next play. So I don't know. It's it's I I just don't know what to feel for this team. And it really at this point it's nothing or just apathy. I'd say today's game, not that it wasn't already pretty much a certainty, but pretty much cemented the fact that they will, I pray to God, take a quarterback first overall. I don't know, man. Maybe Kaiser deserves another year. That's I I, think We'll hear if, that. People will see the box score or the first half and be like, no, this guy can really do it. Look what happens when you give him some weapons. It, it doesn't – look what happens. Yeah, he targeted Josh Gordon far too many times. I mean, arguably he didn't get him the ball enough, but when, it, when you're targeting the same guy over and over again, you know, you're going to have double coverage, and that's what happens. He, that pick to, uh, at the end of the first half was to Gordon, and it just – if he's not making the plays or you're not putting him in position to the plays, you got to be able to execute and he's not executing. So I, I just, they have to I, take Rosen number one and be done with it already. Yeah. If you take someone like Rosen or whoever you want to take a number one, you just say like, this is our quarterback. Like we took, and at least you're taking him number one overall. Like, and I, as long as he doesn't have a year like Kaiser has, they could have just think done that. I mean, and, and this is where I just can't, I don't understand why why the Sashi Brown candlelight vigil continues because you didn't they say oh he he's the one that tore it down he's the good soldier you know he 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 died for our sins for you know got us all these draft picks that Dorsey's going to be set up with and it's you didn't have to do that the Eagles took Carson Wentz with a maybe a slightly more talented roster and now they're 10-2, and two, and we punted on the quarterback position and traded down, something you and I could have easily both done. Well, I and think you could even say maybe say, taking talent aside, the Eagles just had a stable organization. Yeah. Well, again, if you get a quarterback that wins football games, it changes everything. 
And that's what happens when you draft. The difference between drafting a guy number one or number two is those are the type of guys that that have a better chance. And not they're not always a guarantee, but they have a better chance to uplift an organization or bring you know like a little bit of hope to a franchise. Like the Eagles went seven and nine in his first year. Did they make the playoffs? No, but next year they knew that was their quarterback and they didn't have to go through a quarterback competition or who's going to come in and be the bridge quarterback for when we draft another quarterback or what's it going to be like with, with trading, uh, you know, for, for a second round draft pick and getting Brock Osweiler. Like you don't have to go through that. You know, you, you just focus on what positions you need to fill with in developing an offense around a singular player because next year now it's, this is a wasted year with Kaiser being there, because he's not going to start next year. They're gonna, there's going to be a new quarterback and probably new weapons. And now instead of you know two years ago drafting the guy and, and putting weapons around him, you're now basically back to the same point you were two years ago with an, another general manager in place. My view on this situation, I think it's fair to say, yes, Sashi Brown laid some good groundwork with certain players and the picks. But at the same time, he wasn't hitting on enough picks, so you can't trust him to stay in that role. Like you could, I think it's completely fair to say, yes, Sashi Brown set up John Dorsey with a lot of assets to use, but I don't know how anyone could say they'd want Sashi making the picks again. Especially the, and that's where I just don't, I'm not sad that Sashi's gone from at least a quarterback evaluation standpoint. I mean, you got to get one and you've, you've proven in two and a half years that you have, you you've shipped out more good quarterbacks than you've produced on the field. And all of, no matter how many picks, no matter how, how many picks players you can accumulate. I mean, they're not worth the quarterbacks that they've passed up on. So I think that's, that's more of where my frustration stems from because there's just more and more defense of why they passed on those guys at the time than just admitting that they messed up. And that that's what irritates me. I think more than anything. Yeah, because you shouldn't have to defend passing a guy. It's like saying, like, oh, we're not – and we're not taking him because he's not going to be good. It's like you could have just taken him and seen if he'd be good. And a lot of people too – so I think people bring it up a lot um, specifically surrounding Wentz. It's either, oh, Sashi Brown didn't want him or Hugh Jackson didn't want him. But at the end of the day, that's a GM's decision. Mm-hmm. So I don't see why there's still – and I saw – Maybe it was Lance Zerline tweeted like, oh, there's a civil war going on among Browns fans about Sashi Brown. And my view is that's his job. So it doesn't matter who's I mean, it's his fault ultimately. Yeah. And he's got final call, final say. That's the yeah. cross that you bear. I don't you can be as collaborative as you want, but you wear that. I mean, that's that's your job. You can say Hugh Jackson did or didn't want this guy, but at the at the end of the day, you know, Sashi's the one that has final say. And what is Hugh Jackson gonna revolt over you drafting one of the top QB prospects. Like that's part, I feel like that's part of the job is the GM saying, Hey, this is who we're taking. Yeah. But I mean, they didn't want Wentz. So that's the point. Well, they obviously didn't agree that a that quarterback was an important position. I mean, plain and simple. We're seeing it now. They've yet, they've had two top picks and have yet to just take, take a quarterback. They, they obviously don't value it. And I, I, I don't know. I, thank God Dorsey's in there now because that's got to be their their number one, seeing as how they traded up for Mahomes last year. And maybe you bring in a guy like Alex Smith here in the offseason, pay him whatever he wants, and draft a guy, let him sit behind Alex Smith for a year, maybe two, depending on how long Alex Smith plays and go from there because I can't, I can't watch this anymore. And to that point, you could still keep Kaiser on the roster. It's not like you need to bring in a whole new room. I mean, I think Kessler's gone. He was inactive today. I feel like that was a John Dorsey decision. Dorsey drafted um, Hogan when yeah. he was in Kansas City. 
So he has Hogan as the backup. I mean, you're going to see, a, I think, a pretty big roster purge of really low-level guys on this roster after the season ends, or at least after the draft, once they bring yeah. in. Because I don't think it's it's not going to be like what they did. It's not going to. I don't think it's going to be 42, <laughs> you can't much, 53. You can't get much worse than what they did last time. So. Yeah, they're not going to strip the whole roster. How far can you go from a one in you know one in twenty eight football team? How much farther down can you go? <laughs> I just – and like you you brought up the point. Today's loss really drove it home for me. It's like, man, we're really rooting for a win, just just a win. And you could say, oh, a rebuild is a multi-year thing. But I see it with the Sixers in the NBA. It's like they brainwash their fans into believing that like flashes of solid play from young players are like what it's all about. And it's like, no, you're supposed to be trying to compete to win a title. I would rather or in the Browns see- case, a winning season. I would rather see no flashes from young talent. Speaking of, we didn't really see anything from Miles Garrett today, which is he's playing hurt too. Just keep in mind. Yeah, I, whatever. He's been hurt all season. So again, I'd rather see no flashes from anybody and a, a vic, an ugly victory than yeah, me too. You know, a guy like Najoku having or making a great catch and them losing. So I don't care who plays well as long as somebody wins a game because. Whatever. They're not going to escape history at this point. I thought today might be the day early on because they, you know, they gave up that touchdown early and I was like, oh, all right, maybe it's going to be another one of those days. But they rebounded nicely. And when they built that lead, I'm like, all right, keep the pressure on. And they, they took their foot off the gas and now we saw the result. So yeah, it's frustrating too. I mean, everything's frustrating about this, but just the fact that like this, like people still keep going down in the stadium to watch, and it's like, man, people spend a lot of money on these tickets and stuff. And I saw Amy Trask, who you've mentioned several times in the podcast. She was on one of the NFL morning shows saying, like, they need to do something for the season ticket holders. I don't know if you saw this video. Draft a quarterback? Uh, well, she said even, like, just something. Like, some – because every year it's just like a letter, like, hey, we give here's a hat. T- give me my season tickets for free. Yeah, do or some, just – I mean, it – I don't know. <laughs> we were, it was so it's such a nice, you know, refresher in the middle of the week that they actually got the number one GM candidate they wanted, but then you have to come to the realization, and I think we mentioned it on Thursday, you know, <clears throat> that there is an actual game that has to be played and when your team is as bad as they are, you know, it doesn't matter who you're hiring off the field when you when you come away from a game like this on the field, you know, it doesn't leave you in a better place at all. Yeah, and like you said too, just I mean, they went into the rebuild process, like saying it's going to be bad. But I always, this is my view, and I don't think it's shared by a lot of people. It's not like something too drastic, but you can let me know what you think of it. It's like the NFL has only been around, like for since I'd say the modern NFL for a few decades. And every year where you're bad, it's just wasted time. And like you have fans who are older. Who are just like probably some of them giving up on this team. You have younger fans who are going to be walking around in, you know, like Dak Prescott jerseys or Wentz jerseys in Cleveland because they just don't watch the Browns. And like every year you do crap like this, it's just you're alienating certain fans and yeah. it's, it's just wasting time. It's, it's, it's alienating fans and it's taking advantage of fans' loyalty because, yeah. I mean, even guys like us now, I'm at the point where I would rather, you know, do my own podcast on NFL just in general, instead of trying to dissect, you know, this dumpster fire of a franchise, because it's just, it's exhausting every week. I mean, I root for my fantasy team more than the Browns because it just, 
it's act, there's actual exciting things that happen in just competent NFL play that goes on. And it, I, at some point it has to turn around, but you know, we've been saying that forever. So I, well, I you just, saying your fantasy teams, that like proves my point. Yeah. It's like on Sundays or during the week, as opposed to looking at what the beat writers are tweeting out from practice about the team and getting excited for Sunday, you're like, checking on your fantasy players and i think that's mm-hmm. you're certainly not the only one in cleveland or in the fan base who does that i get to watch not, and well, and i mean in the sense of you're not the only one who solely does that and like kind of dread sundays oh yeah could you imagine being a beat writer for this team i mean that you have to tweet or at least try and stay positive so maybe maybe more so on the the actual brown side like a nathan zagura you have yeah to those guys have it in a positive way and then even a guy like Daryl Ryder or Mary Kay, I mean, they're doing digging in the, on this and even saying, like, any, just anything, they just get ripped to shred by the fans. Yeah. You know, it, Every I, single tweet they make, it's it could be good or bad. Yeah, and it's just, you're wrong. Like, okay, yeah, you're going to tell the person yeah. with sources. And we talk know. about that, um, I mean, on our own. You, I mean, the main guys, and they've all been here for a while, main guys and girls, you have... Tony Grossi at ESPN Cleveland, Mary Kay Cabot, Daryl Ryder. I mean, list goes on, and everyone's like, they're the worst. They're horrible. It's like they're literally reporting on the worst team. Like, it's like they, Major they, League. This is like watching Major League when you yeah. go to the diner and you have, you know, uh, Randy McQuaid sitting there like, oh, who's even on this team? Like that's that's what we're dealing with. You, you can you can name all the bright spots you want. Like, oh, thank God we drafted Joe Schobert. Like, yeah, okay, again, this team is still winless. And you can draft all the pieces around the quarterback position you want, but until you shoot your shot, you're going to get fired. And if if you're Sashi Brown, I think back in hindsight, he would have taken whatever quarterback at number two because he'd probably have his job right now. So for all the Sashi, you know, apologists out there, had he just taken the quarterback at two and traded down from every other pick or they even had, at 12 he'd still have his job. Year. Yeah. They'd they have taken, taken Deshaun a Watson. quarterback in 2016. And obviously we say this, I mean, it's Let's forget about Carson Wentz. I'll forget about Carson Wentz. You know, I drive home that point all the time, but let's even forget about that. If he doesn't trade away number 12 last year and just takes Deshaun Watson, do you think we're talking about any of this this year? Or like we're talking about victories, but we're talking about going into next year still following the plan, still having picks, you know, maybe not two in the first round or two top 10, but like, would you rather have two top 10 picks or Deshaun Watson? Like, yeah, that's the key because in 2016, it was pretty clear that they were tanking for a year. They got RG three. I was like, okay, fair enough. But you can't do that two years in a row. I mean, the NFL draft is made designed for you to get the guy. If you're bad. So you have one bad year, and then you get your guy and hopefully start to improve. But they just basically said two years, we're just not trying to win. And it's like they forget. It's fine in a video game, or we're in a dynasty league where (laughs) you have a player doing that, trading picks. But in a league like the NFL, you can't do that because none of the young players are going to re-sign here. Free agents, big-time free agents aren't going to want to sign here. Oh, it, this works in Madden. I just bought the new Madden yesterday because it was on sale. And I'm, I, we're in a couple uh, connected franchises, me and a couple buddies. And, and the easy way to do it 
is if you have like aging veterans, you do exactly what the Browns did and trade. Like it works in Madden, but that that's Madden. They don't have like you're not trotting out that team and just being like, okay, do it. You know, that's a that's an algorithm. That's not there's no human human error in there aside from me actually controlling the game. So yes, it works in a game, but not in real life. You know, <laughs> there's actual chemistry in a locker room and things like that that have to go on on the field to make it work. And you, it's just it it doesn't work when you trot the youngest roster out there, but the more I say that, then, you know, I look at the Rams right now playing the Eagles, putting up a pretty good fight. And I, that has a lot to do with the coaching staff. I have to believe. Yes. And you know what I think is a big move that we really haven't brought up in weeks that really kind of derailed the locker room this year is trading Joe Hayden. So close to the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a move I think really got Hugh Jackson mad and the team, we, because listen. it doesn't, it doesn't matter if he wasn't, good enough to be a starter he's probably he was probably the guy he like repped the cleveland hard first off he was probably the guy keeping everyone positive like joe thomas does and then it's like well why why would a young guy want to play for this franchise if he sees the face of the franchise get traded yeah i mean we we talk about this all the time with with the lack of depth i mean wouldn't would it not have been nice to have Joe Hayden replacing Brian Body Calhoun or like, you know, just having that depth on the roster. John Greco being on the roster when when Joe Thomas goes down. Demario Davis when Jamie Collins goes down. I mean, how, how many examples? Or Brock Osweiler when Cody Ke- or when uh, when Deshaun Kaiser get, gets hurt, you know, like having that veteran backup or even a veteran presence. All, but he's not doing anything in there, but at least he could go he could also go 0 and 16 and at least you didn't ruin a second round quarterback. I mean, I just I can't I can't defend Sashi Brown because every decision he's made looks terrible when you're one in twenty nine. Well, I think I said it on our Friday show. It's like maybe I didn't, I'm not positive, but it's it's fine to say he made good choices, but you can't just say, Oh, well, these four players are doing well for the Browns, because one, team's not winning, and two, he's made more bad decisions. And I think really less you can even look away from the draft and like the Hayden thing and the Greco thing. He's made decisions that have really hurt the locker room. Mm-hmm. That yeah. he, I don't think he put in the like you said. It, it's it's not like Madden. He didn't. I don't think he put in the consideration the human element of getting rid of the defensive captain two yep. two years in a row, or not two years in a row, but Demario Davis and then Joe Hayden all in the span of a few months. Yeah, and it, I guess maybe that's a problem with being upstairs in an office and not understanding like who who your leaders are in the locker room or maybe that's on Hugh Jackson for not maybe exemplify or not exemplifying but you know making that known to the front office like hey you can't you can't cut this guy you know I need that guy on defense like these are two leaders right now like can if you're Hugh Jackson are you a little upset that you traded away a defensive captain for a guy that you know got in a fight with Ricardo Lewis two days before the season and got I think got cut the day of the season like I mean, what, and he got cut again by his new team, I think. So it's like no one even wants him. And it was just right. a waste. Yeah. It's like, what, what is your evaluation process? Oh, we have great processes in place. Well, you, I mean, you successfully done your job and, and tanked this team so low and had to build up so many draft picks that you've, like, in picks that you've given to other teams in order to turn their franchise around in order to get a, a qualified candidate in here. So, uh, yeah, for that, thank I think you, your Sashi point, Brown. the point you make a lot. It, or some people say, like, oh, you rebuild, you got to tear down and then go back up. But when you tear down that far, just getting back to normal is going to take two to three years. Just getting yeah. back to the Romeo Cornell six-win years is going to take time. 
I mean, you every team's different. So if you're, it's not like the Browns or the Cardinals of right now where they just have an abundance of aged veterans on that team. I mean, the guys that they let go, Mitchell Schwartz, Travis Benjamin, were not old guys. I mean, they're guys coming off their rookie deal. So it's not – if you're going to go ahead and jettison, like, yeah, the Dante Whitner, Carlos Dansby, fine, because those guys are not – they weren't really leaders to begin yeah, with, they, and they, 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 they really they didn't produce on the field. So – that's like the Nick Swisher, Michael Bourne of, of, of the Indians yeah. in years past. So it's fine if you want to get rid of those guys. But when, when you're looking at, you know, pieces of your, your offense in the 28, 27, 28, 29 year old range, you know, that those are the guys that you need that are going to help win a football game, or at least know how to win a football game, even if it's only been, you know, four wins a season for the last 10 years. And to that, that's what I was about to bring up. So, so for, they haven't had a winning season in 10 years. But if you have a team that's winning four to six games a year, realistically, if you just add a few pieces to that group, they could go and win nine games. Just They could luck in the four or five wins. But when you tear yeah. it down, you say, we are taking away all that. It's like st- starting over in the expansion draft again. It's Yeah, it's going to be another. I mean, it's gone down so far that now, even, a, even next year, they say 2018's uh, next year's, you know, that's the year. Well, to maybe win four or five games it's at pro- best. That, that, is, like, that was supposed to be this year. So now you're pushing the plan even that much farther because you have failed to address the quarterback position. And now these guys still don't know how to win. You know, you're going to go 0-16. I, I don't see a win on this roster. Chicago just laid the ham- or laid the wood to, to Cincinnati today. And that might and make Marvin Lewis lose his job. Just oh, yeah. Quick if, you side think that, if you think that any, or the Browns couldn't stop the run today against Green Bay, imagine what Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen are going to do. You and know, Mitch. Mitch Trubisky. I, Mitch, Mitch is not even going to have to throw the ball against this team. So I, I, I think this team's going 0-16, and it, it would still astound me if Hugh Jackson is the coach. But, you know. As we've seen, crazier things have happened. Well, that's my thing. I brought it up at the beginning, and you said, like, how could you go back on it? I think – so I think John Dorsey comes in, meets with Jimmy Haslam, and was like, yeah, I'm fine with you keeping Hugh, but let's just – let's see that. And, but in a, a month from now, he could say, Jimmy, like, we have to get a new coach. We just went oh, – if they go 0-16, which I think they will, say, like, we can't keep this coach who just went 0-16. You, after going – after it's not like they went to the playoffs, and then this year everyone got hurt, and they go 0-16. Yeah. Like t- you just can't keep him. I don't, I don't see how, and the players play hard for him, but I mean, if you go 0 and 16 and then you see what he did, the Kaiser, Who and then you see week? the way he's talking in the media or secretly talking in the media, like, why would you, how could you trust him? Who do the Browns have next week on their schedule? Baltimore last home game. You got Baltimore, Chicago, oh, Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh <laughs> will probably be playing all backups, but they're still the Steelers. That's it. Yeah. I, if the Browns are 0-15, there's a 0% chance Pittsburgh's playing their backups. Yeah, they don't want to lose to the Browns, no, especially heading gonna... into the playoffs. Yeah. So... Well, I think they'll still bench Roethlisberger because he's, like, so frail now. But, I mean, Landry Jones beat the Browns last year. Yeah, and that was another case of Hugh Jackson calling, you know, screen pass not screen passes, end arounds at the goal 14 line. 14-yard and... loss and a screen pass from the two-yard line. Yeah, so... I mean, I was there. I witnessed it in all its glory. I'd love to sit here and say that, you know, keeping Hugh Jackson for the sake of continuity is a good thing, but there's a lot of things pointing against that. And even if, again, this is just all solved by taking a damn quarterback. Like it's not rocket science. Even if you're, if you, even if you stick with a guy for three years, you draft a guy at number two, even if Carson Wentz isn't an MVP candidate, you take him there. 
you you just roll with him for three years, and by then you've kind of established a core as to what, or at least an identity of your football team. Because now, we, I mean, there is no identity. There's there's nothing. The Browns well, they don't sometimes commit to quarterbacks on yeah. almost on purpose. Like we don't want to. And there was a good, I don't know if you read it, and Bleacher Report did a thing with like Kelly Holcomb, Brady Quinn, like all the 07 guys up. Not all of them, but most of them. And they're like, yeah, you. they don't commit to a guy. And it's like you could be, have a bad preseason game be like, oh, is this the guy? It's like it's almost that you're scared to commit. and it, But it makes no sense because it's like 10 different GMs have been scared to commit. Like, yeah, why does this keep happening? So, I, I, yeah. if they, The reason – and, and there's that's the, that's a common theme behind why it's been a revolving door of every two years. I mean, yeah, Jimmy ha- Jimmy Haslam has to do that because at some point someone's got to take a quarterback, and maybe that would have been Sashi's plan all along. You know, tank for two years and get and get draft picks. But you know, what is that doing emotionally to your locker room and to your coaching and the fan staff? Base. Like, I think Hugh Jackson just doesn't know how to win anymore. And it's I, you have I think bringing in another rookie maybe that solves it. Like, it, there's no guarantee there. So you're, you're almost caught and like, I want them to draft Josh Rosen, but again, that's not something that it, it could and should change it if he's as good as advertised. But I mean, who knows it's if they would have just done it, you know, or it had some sort of veteran presence in there. They could have done to, it 10 years ago. Yeah. They've had ample opportunities and they've, they've never done it. So I, I, you know, I, I think it's hard to to say that they won't take a quarterback, or at least they've got to do something to fix it. Whether it's you know taking a guy like Josh Rosen or going after a veteran, but you know they've they've got to find ways to win games. Or this is not this is going to be uh, eerily similar to you know when Mangini was in and Holmgren took over and gave him that year of uh, the trial run of a year to see what he could do. Yeah. Ed was fired, if you don't remember. Oh, I remember. <laughs> Good thing he won um, those last four games, though. Wrap it up on that note. I do have a final question for you, but right now, I mean, the Browns have three games remaining. I have no confidence they'll win, but I have a, a little lighthearted question for you at the end of this show. Do you think Chris Tabor remains special teams coach in 2018? <laughs> I, he survived I mean, two owners, <laughs> countless GMs and coaches. If he's lasted this long, I mean, he's. Uh, it, be, cost him like, the, it cost him the game today with that that was like the kick return or the punt return. Punt return, the setup, so, a touchdown. Yeah, he's I like mean, the elk and elk guys. I think it's just one of those things where the practice, like, or, or his processes might be very, very good, and and his, you know, his knowledge of the game is that good, and he's not the one that's going out there and executing. But I mean, I don't know. I I would think he's still on the still on the team. If you're keeping Hugh Jackson, then I guess Tabor has to stay, right? No, they're going to keep Hugh, and they're going to fire Tabor. Be like, you know, we just really need to upgrade our special teams <laughs> execution. Be yeah, like, like oh, the Bengals God. or like normal teams when they fire an offensive coordinator to, uh, you know, be the scapegoat. Now it's that's our special teams guy because Hugh Jackson's been so stellar. All right, we will wrap it up there. We will be back later this week. I'm 99% positive some crazy news will come out during the week. Last week we had woke up to Sashi Brown's firing. Who knows? Maybe John Dorsey's on the hot seat. That's what Adam yeah. Schefter tweeted with the way things are going in Cleveland. Maybe Hugh gets fired. That would be insane. I don't think it'll happen. But no. Actually, I think for next week's episode, we're going to try and have 
Uh, one of my more recent Twitter followers from the Locked On Chiefs podcast, Ryan Tracy. Uh, I want to try and get an interview with him and see whether or not, uh, you know, or get their thoughts on the John Dorsey hiring and, you know, talk about some of his past drafts and what to expect, you know, from or at least some sort of changes on the personnel side on the field and what to expect with uh, John Dorsey being the new general manager. So keep an eye out. We'll try to liven it up a bit here as the Browns are 0-13. Any final thoughts, Andrew? Are you about done with this team? Uh, You know, prayers to my fantasy team because it's not looking good. (laughs) All right. So for Andrew Sipes, I'm Stephen Kabitza from the Dog Pond Daily Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, leave a review, and thank you for listening.